0: Well, recently I have found a very interesting news on the National Geographic website. And it's a story about adoption. Well, although adoption is in itself a a highly noble act, it normally doesn't really make it to the news, let alone on National Geographic. But this news is different. This news was interesting because... It sounds just like a Disney movie in the works. Let's take a look of a video clip from National Geographic, and you will know what I mean. Michael? Yeah, there's no sound. And, And yes, it is in this adoption story, the adopting mother was in fact not a human, but a dolphin. And the child being adopted was in fact not another dolphin, but a whale. You can see, uh, I think this is, this is him. Oops, this is him. It looked a little different. You can, you, you, if you pay attention, you can, you can tell. It, to be precise, it is a melon-headed whale. And it's because it's in the water, in water, it can be called a water-melon-headed whale. I make it up, okay. Oceanologists have followed them since 2014 in the coastal waters in South Pacific. Such adoption across mammal species is extremely rare because mother's milk is the most precious resource in all wild mammals and its its supply is very limited. Instinctively, Animals spend their life resources on their young ones to help them survive and therefore pass on the family DNA. Like this this is the whale. This is the dolphin. So it's quite unbelievable for a dolphin mom to use her own milk to feed a baby whale. And it's also amazing that the other baby dolphins Do not see this whale as a competitor, but rather live with him or even play with him in beautiful harmony. Oceanologists have followed this family for five years. They found that dolphins normally would leave their mom and become independent when they are one and a half years old. But this whale, after all his brother dolphins left, stayed by his adopting mother's side for another one and a half years, for a total of three years. Then the oceanologist no longer saw him in the picture. This has amazed all oceanologists who study them. They even asked if animals like dolphins and whales believed to be only following animal instincts and nature. They wonder if they could actually demonstrate empathy and compassion, just like humans do. Maybe we can ask ourselves, when a wild dolphin was willing to sacrifice herself for an unrelated species, a a whale, and then this whale demonstrated a willingness to return favor and stay with his adopting mother for another one and a half years, then for us Christians, who are made into God's image and likeness, would have no excuse to extend empathy and compassion to others who are in need. In today's service, we will have a representative from ICC, International China Concern, Marisa, who is sitting downstairs, uh, to share with us in a moment. We also have another representative uh, from ICC, Elvira, to share in both Cantonese services. Today and also the Mandarin service next week. But before we listen to Marisa's sharing, let, let me first share with you a message from the Bible about empathy and compassion. Today's scripture is from Second Corinthians chapter one, verse four three and four. Let me read it to you. It goes like this. Praise be to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. In the two verses that I just read to you, the, the word to describe God is compassion. In the category of mercy, there are a few words that they appear to be quite similar, but could also cause a lot of confusion to us. These words respectively are pity, sympathy, empathy, and compassion. Although they appear to be quite similar, they can be ranked from low to high across the spectrum of mercy. In the spectrum of mercy, the word pity is at the low end. It is the the more basic form of mercy. Pity It's more about cognitive awareness. Like you have taken notice that something bad has happened to someone. Pity often has a uh, condescending overtone. And it is less engaged than empathy, sympathy, or compassion, amounting to little more than a conscious acknowledgement of someone else's pain. In Exodus chapter 2, it says that, God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. In this verse, God took notice of Israel's suffering can be a form of pity. For the word sympathy, it is ranked a little higher than pity in the spectrum of mercy. Sympathy moves from a conscious acknowledgement to a feeling and concern. In pity, you would say, I'm sorry for you. But in sympathy, you would say, I feel your pain. If pity is more an objective observation, then sympathy is more a subjective feeling. In First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Peter exalted Christians, casting all your anxiety on him, God, because he cares for you. This caring nature of God represents his ability to sympathize humans. Now it comes to the word empathy. This word is gaining popularity in the psycho- psychology world today because both the words pity and sympathy carry certain level of condescending overtones. But the word empathy sounds more equal or, 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 or neutral or, or non-condescending. Empathy emphasizes on shared experience. When someone is suffering, you would enter into his suffering by understanding his situation and caring for him. The word empathy comes from two Greek words, "en" and pathos, which means in and suffering, respectively. So, empathy means entering into someone else's suffering. When you empathize someone you're virtually entering into their pain you don't just feel it you experience it with them interestingly you can uh, you can have empathy to non-humans as well for example you can establish empathy with characters in fictions or in movies you know the character is not real but you would still feel like you you are connected with the character as you enter his or her pain as the story goes, so do your tears. Some of you might know that I really like koala. And last week I saw on the news that two koalas got killed by, by a car in Australia. And I felt so sad. I almost cried. I empathized them. Also Jesus empathizes us as well. The book of Hebrews said, For we do not have a high priest who is Unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. God empathizes us. Even to a point, he sends his only son Jesus to become one of us. To be our Emmanuel, God with us. And to experience our pain and suffering. Then we have reached the pinnacle of the mercy spectrum. And we found the word, compassion. Beginning with the inner experience of empathy, and as it transforms into real action to help others to relieve them from their suffering, then compassion takes place. The word compassion is originally a Latin word consisting, again, two words, com, passion, meaning alongside suffering. Thus, compassion means walking alongside those who were suffering with the objective to relieve them from their pain. In the Gospel of Luke, it recorded that, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. The compassion of Jesus, in this case here, turned into a healing action that relieves the person with leprosy from his misery. It is a process, or even a progress, as we move from pity to compassion. As the progress goes, it's obvious that the personal cost associated with it also increases. It also becomes more demanding in humbling oneself. Jesus has also gone through this increase of personal cost. In order to help us lowly humans, he chose to become the lowest of the lows. He, of God's nature, made himself to be nothing. This is the ultimate illustration of empathy. And in order to relieve us from our pain and suffering resulted from sin, Jesus went through pain and suffering himself, and even death himself. And he pays the ultimate cost of compassion. You might say that there is mercy in everyone. However, many many times that we, because of our unwillingness to humble ourselves or to pay a higher cost, would choose to only stay on the level of pity or, com- or sympathy. And then we do not want to go further into empathy or compassion because the cost to do so may be too high. If we only stop at pity, or sympathy, then we are only offering moral support to those in need. Unfortunately, that doesn't mean much to their actual predicament. In today's passage, it says that, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We are all unworthy recipients of God's compassion. So as the passage made it very clear that we are to comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Each of us should never be the end user of God's mercy. So that when God bestowed His compassion to us through other people, and such compassion stops at us. No. If we are to become the channel of God's compassion, we then we must be prepared to humble ourselves and to endure the cost as it might incur. And Today we have Marisa, representative from ICC, here with us to share about ICC's recent projects or testimonies. Most of us know ICC and some of us have been there before and, and we, yes, we have a very long-serving relationship with them. Well, ICC is an organization that has received God's compassion. And in turn, they made it their mission to extend such compassion out to those in need, particularly the abandoned children in China. Now let me invite Marisa to come up and to share with us her story at ICC. So please, Marisa. You can use this. Okay.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for having me today. Uh, so, as Pastor Sam said, my name is Marissa, and I work for International China Concern, and we are a Christian development organization whose mission is to give love hope and opportunity to every child with a disability and I just wanted to start off today by thanking VCBC as a congregation you've been one of the churches that has been supporting our ministry since the very beginning and we could not do what we do without uh, your support so we're so thankful for you and I'm excited to share with you today So I just wanted to start off by telling you a little bit uh, briefly of my story and how I ended up sharing in front of you today. So I actually had the opportunity to uh, live in Asia for eight months, and throughout this time, it really grew my heart for that part of the world, um, and I just fell in love with the people and the culture, uh, and I actually was considering staying there and living there, uh, but at probably about eight months. Um, after living there, uh, I felt like God was really calling me to come home. And I didn't want to come home. So that's kind of how I knew that it was God who was the one that was, you know, had that still small voice in my head. Um, so I finally listened and I packed my bags, came back to Canada. And within about a couple weeks, I got the job offer uh, to work for International China Concern, uh, helping in a part of the world that through that eight months I had really. Um, continue to grow my heart for. So here I am today. And the first verse I wanted to share with you comes from Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You and I will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. So, when God calls us to something, it's God who will empower us. Sometimes it's easy to think that things are completely up to us. It's all on us to accomplish the vision that God has put on our heart. But God is the one who's going to empower us. He always calls us to places and things that are beyond our capacity. We need His power to accomplish what He puts on our heart. When we're called, we receive power after the call to be witnesses to Jesus and who he is, where he calls us and to whom he calls us to. It's not about where we want to be, where we think we should be, the people we want to minister to, or the ministry we believe we deserve or demand to have. It's about where God places us. Often it seems God places us in areas with people we don't want to be in. But God knows the end from the beginning, and he wouldn't place us there if it wasn't for a greater purpose. So I'm sure David Gotts might be familiar to some of you. I know he has come and shared at the church before, and he is the founder of International China Concern. But I wanted to share a little bit uh, more in depth about his story today and how he is a living example of someone who felt completely unequipped, to do something um, that God called him to, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, hundreds of children's lives have been transformed because he said yes to God and trusted him. So back 26 years ago at the age of 19, Dave uh, was living in the U.K., and he felt God placed on his heart um, the call to serve in a country that wasn't in the borders of his own nation, and he felt called to China. So he packed up his bags and moved to Taiwan to learn Mandarin. And after that, he was just praying and discerning about what his next steps were. And he had a friend who was volunteering at one of the state-run welfare centers, which are also called orphanages in China. And she invited him to come and volunteer for a little while. So he uh, packed up and went to Nanning in China. And when he walked into this orphanage, he expected to hear children playing and laughing and having fun, and he saw the complete opposite. He walked in and there was silence. He saw children um, just with completely blank looks on their faces um, in desperate conditions, terrible conditions that no child should have to live in. There were children uh, with disabilities who were tied by the wrists, To potty chairs and left there all day because there were not enough caregivers to give them the proper care. Uh, And in in a time where, you know, Dave thought that children were valuable and precious and loved and that's, you know, how they were supposed to, that's how it was supposed to be. And he saw the complete opposite. Children just left to fend for themselves. And he cried out to God, this is not the way the world is supposed to be. And as his friend continued to give him a tour of the orphanage, she took him up to one of the final rooms and just prepared him. You know, this is going to be very hard to see. And uh, back 26 years ago, they had a room they would call the dying room. So basically, the orphanages were so overrun with children and lack of resources, they would take the weakest, most disabled children into a room and place them in a crib and leave them there to starve to death. And a couple of the babies had already passed, but there was one little girl who was still alive. And Dave picked her up and asked the director of the welfare center, can I take this child home and care for her? And he agreed. So he wrapped her in a blanket and took her back to his friend Kit Yang's house. Um, throughout the night, her condition worsened. Um, and Dave just looked at this beautiful little girl uh, who God saw as having so much much value and worth and a purpose for And he decided to give her a name, and he named her baby Rose. And unfortunately, uh, as her condition worsened throughout the night, Dave took her to the hospital, and she passed away. Uh, But this little girl, um, Rose, inspired Dave to commit his life to caring for these children, these children who have been forgotten, these children who, um, who desperately needed love, and he, he decided to stay in China, and he felt completely unequipped. He had conversations with God. How can I make a difference? What can I do? I'm just a banker from the U.K. I'm not a nurse. I don't have any, any training. What difference can I make? But God spoke to him very clearly and said, if not you, then who is going to love these children? So that's what he committed his life to. The director of the Welfare Center took notice and gave him an old rundown building to care for some of the children in. And this is how International China Concerns started. We now um, help 350 children in two different centers in the Hunan Province, in Hanyang and Changsha. And we've seen children adopted into their forever home, both locally and internationally. And we also help prevent abandonment in the first place by helping keep families together. So some of you might be wondering, why does this happen in China? Why are there so many children with disabilities who are abandoned and don't have homes? And in, in China, there's not the support services that we have here in Canada for families with disabilities, or families with children with disabilities. and uh, these parents, they honestly don't want to abandon their child. They just feel so hopeless and alone like they have no other choice. Um, how can you know, a single mom with a child with cerebral palsy provide for her family and care for them around the clock? So these parents are actually facing um, going to jail by abandoning their child. It's illegal in China, but they don't feel like they have another choice. So we want to change the perception from um, you know, judgment to compassion of these families because your heart really breaks for them. I don't know about if any of you in the audience here are parents, but, you know, raising a child's a lot of work from what I hear. I don't have any yet. And then I can imagine even having a child who has special needs. That's, that, you know, they need a certain level of care. So having a child with special needs in a country where you're completely on your own, uh, you really feel for these parents. So we are trying to uh, provide the support that is missing and walk alongside these families by providing them with counseling and uh, daycare, respite care, all of the things that they need so they can feel empowered to stay together as a family. So I told you that during my eight months living in Asia, I would really grown a heart for for China and that part of the world, but I didn't really have uh, any friends who had disabilities until God brought uh, Chanha into my life. So shortly after I started working for ICC, uh, Chan joined the community group that I lead at my church, and Chan has a high-functioning autism, and I developed a friendship with him, and he is incredible. He's the happiest person that I've ever met. He always has a huge smile on his face and um, always knows everyone's name at church, and he's just brought so much joy to my life, and this is me and him at our Walk the Wall event last year. So... Through that experience, um, getting to know Chan more, it really gave me a heart for our kids in China. And it made me think, you know, what if Chan grew up in China? Maybe he wouldn't have that big smile on his face and, you know, be the person that he is today. So it's given me such more of an understanding and heart for our kids that we serve in China. So the second verse I wanted to share with you comes from Luke 18:15 to 17. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So in this verse God is telling us to have a childlike faith and trust in him that he's going to provide for us that we don't need to worry. God is in control and I don't know about you but that lifts a huge weight off my shoulders knowing that God has got this that our lives are in his hands. And I think that a lot of children with special needs and my friend Chan does a really good job of is having this childlike spirit. It seems to be something that they don't lose as they get older. And this is something that they have to teach us that I think is really neat. I want to introduce you to a young man in ICC's care named Li Shi. So Li Xi is now 30 years old, but he came to ICC back when he was six. He was abandoned at a railway station by his mom, who was a single mom after her husband passed away. She was not able to care for him. He has cerebral palsy, so he's not able to move very easily, but cognitively, he is completely fine. Uh, so this, Li Shi was one of the first children into ICC's care back 30 years ago. And since then, he's flourished into an incredible young man. He got to learn about Jesus and loves the Lord and actually has aspirations to go to seminary and will often speak at the underground church that he attends in China. And at this underground church, he's not able to actually speak very clearly because of his cerebral palsy. So he types into a machine and it speaks out his sermon. But just a remarkable young man. He has a job, he uh, sells newspapers, and helps with the cleaning business. And his life has truly been transformed because of ICC's love and care. Um, and his life would have been vastly different if he hadn't come into ICC's care and grew up in the state-run orphanage. The last verse that I wanted to share with you today uh, comes from Matthew 25:40 40 and 45. The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So one thing I wanted to highlight in this verse is that uh, God is calling us to take action today. He's not, sometimes we always make excuses. We say, you know, I'm going to help. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to volunteer down the line, when I have more finances, when I have more time, when it's it's a better time for me in life. But God is calling us out here and he's saying, no, it's what, what you did today. I'm calling you to make a difference today. And we all can take a step. We can all take action to some capacity right now for a cause that God has put on our heart. God has called us to not only have pity on these children in China, but he's called us to have compassion for them, like Pastor Sam said, to actually make a difference, to do something. And whether that's with ICC, what I've talked about today, has, you know, God's put that on your heart or it's another ministry. As Christians, we need to take a stand against this injustice and say this is not okay, that this is happening in our world, and we need to make a difference. So some ways that you can connect and engage with ICC if what I've talked about um, interests you, uh, I wanted to just share with you briefly. So this is my sponsor, Child Easy. So for $40 a month, you can transform a child's life. This $40 goes towards providing specialized therapy, care, uh, family, nutritious food, everything this child needs to have the f- full life that God has for them. And you get updates of your child three times a year, how they're doing. You can write them back and forth. And you even have the opportunity to visit them if you go on a short-term team. So one thing that we've been really blessed with as a ministry is that in a time in China where there's so much persecution of Christians, um, we've been given this incredible favor to be a light to the country through loving these children. And we've actually... um, found out that we're going to be getting 50 more children into our care in the coming months, and that's incredibly exciting, and that's 50 more mouths to feed and to care for and to love, and we know that God is going to provide the sponsors for all of those children, so uh, we would love for you to sign up today to sponsor a child that's currently in our care or one of those new 50 children coming into our care. We also have a family partners program that's very similar to our sponsorship program. But instead of sponsoring a child at ICC's orphanage, you sponsor a group of five families. So this is how we prevent abandonment. We provide those support services for the families. So that's where the funding goes towards. And you also receive updates on how those families are doing. And there's three different giving levels and some different um, examples of the impact that will make. So it's $25 a month, $65, or $130 um, to have an impact in helping a family to stay together. And another thing that we have is short-term teams. So we have teams that go probably about eight times per year, and you go to our centers in Hangyang or Changsha, and you get to experience and learn what ICC is all about. Uh, play with the kids, help support the local staff there. Uh, if you have a special medical skill, that would, that's incredibly helpful. But if you don't, if, you know, you say, like, like Dave said, he's like, I'm just a banker. How can I help these kids? You can make a difference just by loving them, by caring for them, by playing with them, uh, taking them to the park, taking them swimming in the summer. Uh, so if this interests you, we have teams coming up in October, and we have one coming up in January, and there's also various other dates. Throughout 2020. So, I'm going to play this video if it's working. I'm not sure if it's in the PowerPoint, but if not, that's okay. We'll just skip over it. Uh, So, many of you have probably heard of Walk the Wall before. So, we have Walk the Wall 2019 coming up September 28th at Stanley Park. So, VCBC Church, I actually can't see the number because the way that it (laughs) it went into the PowerPoint. Um, A picture is covering it, but I think I have it on my notes here of how much you all raised. (laughs) You did a great job. We were thrilled. I think BCBC was one of the highest highest fundraising teams. $12,000 was what you guys raised last year at Walk the Wall. That's incredible. You guys have had such a huge impact on our kids' lives. And we have some exciting things um, happening at Walk the Wall this year that you don't want to miss. So if you want to sign up, you go to walkthewall.org, and it's a 3K or a 10K walk, and you walk and fundraise, and uh, it'll be a really great day with a live band, Um, there'll be a balloon artist for the kids, and lunch, so we hope to see you all there on September 28th, and If any of the things that I talked to you today about, short-term teams, walk the wall, sponsorship, family partners, if any of those are things that you want to get involved in, you can come and talk to me after the service. We have a booth set up downstairs, and I'd love to chat with you more. Um, And once again, thank you so much, everyone at VCBC, for helping us to transform the lives of these children in China. We are so appreciative, and thank you for being a part of what we're doing. Thanks for having me. Have a great day, everyone.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Marisa. And I I also like to not just welcome you, but also welcome your fiance. uh, Rainier, Uh, welcome to be with us today. The big day is coming up. So, (laughs) congratulations. Yeah. All right. All the fellows and workers at ICC are people of God who are willing to pay the price in order to comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that they themselves have received from God. Their lives are a living testimony of such a mission. They were empathized first, so that they are now empathizing others. They are empathized to empathize. As we know now, many places no longer allow plastic straws to be used. The reason is that, although these plastics use mostly recyclable materials, they are recyclable. But the reason is that people just don't seem to be recycling them. So these are materials that are supposed to be used and reused generations after generations. But when these materials become an abandoned straw, then it ceases to be useful. Not only that, it begins to bring harm to the world. Every one of us Christians have received compassion from God to begin with. And such compassion is supposed to be passed on, generations after generations. But if once God's compassion enters our lives, and gets stuck here, not being passed on, not being, I don't, I don't like this word, but recycled, then our lives, from the kingdom perspective, might resemble the lives of an abandoned straw, plastic straw. Is that how we want to live our lives? At the beginning, I talk about the story of a dolphin mother adopting a baby whale. In fact, I have not completed the story yet. On the other side of the planet, from the south dolphin mom, in the Atlantic Ocean, oceanologist. oceanologist found another adoption story. Only this time, there is a role reversal. A few whales have adopted a dolphin. And more interestingly, this adopted dolphin, as you can see, is a deformed dolphin. You can see from from, from, from this picture that it has spinal deformity. Oceanologists have followed this family for a while and discover that this dolphin was well accepted into this whale family, and he even plays with them. It seems to me that it is the orphan whale in the Pacific Ocean who was given compassion by a dolphin mum, and such compassion was returned by another group of whales who extended compassion to a deformed orphan dolphin. Our church theme at this anniversary is blessed to bless. Freely given, freely give away. This process of extending compassion could very well cause us inconvenience or even significant cost. But if whales or dolphins are willing to endure to extend compassion, we as God children of, children of God, how can we say no when scripture makes it so clear. Let us all pray together. Heavenly Father, you are a God of empathy and compassion. We give thanks to you because you first loved us before we did anything good to you. Before we called you our Father, or even before we were born, you already loved us. Your love compelled you to atone for our sins by sending your only Son Jesus to die on the cross. As we think of Jesus' cross. We ask for no other motivation for us to extend your compassion to the world. Help us to set our sight on you, on your kingdom, so that we no more live our, for ourselves before, and for our desire, but for your will to be done and your name be glorified. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.